Off top, you know, plants make noise, especially when they're dehydrated or harmed. They start to make sounds. It's too high for or too high a frequency for us to hear. But apparently other animals and maybe other plants can hear it, too. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Charlie? I know you didn't know that one. You buried the lead. It's not even that plants can make noise. It's that plants can hear things. <laughs> Maybe. We don't know. I mean, they they can. I mean, isn't hearing just like feeling vibrations anyway? Isn't that what like hearing is? And I guess they don't have ears, but I, the, the paper, the paper was from some British uh, university that talked about this. And they were just theorizing that it's potential that it's meant to communicate with other plants or communicate with other uh, animals. But I know like plants communicate now across forests through fungi, right? Isn't that how like messages are sent through fungus? It's like the the plot of the last of us. <laughs> yeah. I learned that before <laughs> last of us, but yeah, I think that is, I think I learned in watching a, a documentary about mushrooms, which Speaking of mushrooms, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> my, uh, he's not a mushroom guy, though, is he? I mean, ayahuasca is natural, right? Isn't it? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what the, the root herb of ayahuasca is, but <laughs> I don't if it's know. fungi based, you know, we'll learn. So, I, I mean, we got a lot to talk about today. So we got Aaron Rodgers. We got um, apparently DaCosta is talking about the GM for the Ravens is talking about maybe getting the quarterback in the draft. We'll get to that. We're finally going to get some LeBron James talk. You guys heard of this guy? He plays for the Lakers. They're <laughs> contenders now. We'll do that. But I wanted to revisit the Angel Reese conversation one last time because it hasn't gone away. And it's spread. It's one of those sports things that happen so often that spreads out into the general population. And everyone has an opinion on it, even though they're not in the sports world. And it's funny watching people just be introduced to certain characters that are frankly trolls and, and um, use like racial and division to like promote their whatever. That's fine. It happens. We're used to it. It annoys me when it works <laughs> and you get into the mainstream for being an asshole or saying something really rude. So like, I, I don't want to celebrate any of those people. I don't want to draw any more attention to them, but I do think that it's important to acknowledge that that's out there and people reacting to it. And I had a good conversation, a long conversation with a friend this morning, which is why I wanted to talk about this again. We have to understand that these conversations are never about the conversation. And we have to remind ourselves of that when we're reading people's tweets and when we're watching people talk about it. That the conversation is never about the conversation. You don't We're say. All, I, yeah, I know, but I think we forget it. Yeah. Or, we, or we choose to uh, omit it for the reasons of like making ourselves look good when we dunk on somebody or something to that effect. And so like the last, I guess, part of this news cycle is Angel Reese said she didn't accept Joe Biden's apology. If you don't know, Joe Biden said, uh, Dr. Joe Biden, uh, it sounds like I'm saying Joe Biden, but I'm saying Jill the first lady said that she wanted uh, both. She was at the game and she said she wanted both teams to come to the white house. And that's unprecedented. And it feels like a crazy double standard again, that kind of had everyone inflamed in the first time. And then people are all upset. Angel Reese herself says she didn't accept her apology. And then you watch people like celebrate Angel Reese doing something that I just think was like unnecessary, you know, like, yeah, just accept the, the first lady's apology and move forward. It's fine. Or don't. I guess that's also fine. But what 
it wasn't something that I would have advised her to do. It's not something that I'm going to celebrate the same way. I'm not going to celebrate the way she was taunting in Caitlyn's face, but I also am not going to come down on her. Like I found it funny and entertaining. I didn't find the, the first lady stuff funny or entertaining, but I noticed there are lots of people who are like celebrating it and loving it. And the friend I was talking to this morning was having a hard time understanding it because they're like, no, that's not. And he's black. So like, uh, you would expect that he would be more partial to her, but I was trying to explain to him, which I think he understood was for black people. A lot of black people, you carry so much of the history into every interaction in a way that I think other people don't. And maybe it's not just black people. Maybe it's any marginalized group or it's any group, uh, but you carry so much history. And so like when, yeah, it's not just black people. It's any marginalized group because I can go back to Kyrie. When Kyrie was tweeting or retweeting um, links to anti-Semitic movies, like Jewish people were obviously very, very upset and impacted by it so much more because it speaks to their history. And that's and on, on that point. Hell yeah. And I thought there was a double standard on how people were defending Kyrie. Same, same thing. Flips. And so, I mean, that that's what made that one so interesting is because as a black person, you're like, you you see how Kyrie is being treated and you're kind of like, I know what he said was wrong, but like, why are you doing this? And so like with the Andrew Reese situation, the point I was trying to make this morning is like, we bring so much to it. And I, I made a pretty bad analogy in the conversation, but I think it'll help you understand. It's like, I want a black person to own a NFL team. Not because I think that they're going to be suddenly the only benevolent owner or like, have some progress or defend black people or treat anyone better or do like, no, because like we deserve to do that too, <laughs> you know? And that's what it feels like. And so that's just from all the years, I guess, centuries of passed down generational trauma where it's kind of like, and I think that's what some people, I can understand why somebody is like clapping for Angel Reese in the moment when she's telling Jill Biden, I, I don't accept your apology. Like, it's a stupid thing, but like, whatever. I could understand why somebody would be like, yeah, or why people would be celebrating that she's taunting uh, Caitlin Clark to her face because it represents something where we saw in this tournament that Caitlin Clark became an enormous star in a way that was a little bit unusual, <laughs> you know, and it's not something that would, that's rarely afforded to, um, uh, big black woman from Randallstown, Maryland, which is where I'm from and also where Angel Reese is from. So like, I don't know, I, I guess there's no final point, but I, I think other than let's try to remember that and remind ourselves of that. And the next time something like this comes up is like, not to say that you shouldn't bring your back, your baggage or your biases or whatever to it, but be aware that you are and be aware that other people are too. Well, and to that point, the way this story, the polarity of the story has made it literally impossible to take a middle ground. How mm -hmm. I feel about it, I mean, you know, I thought it was kind of being a jerk. And I think that's a completely fine thing if you're looking at the actual actions itself, not of the larger narrative. Right. But Angel Reese is being a jerk. Do I think it makes her a bad person? Absolutely not. Do I largely not care? Of course, I largely don't care. Um, but the polarity of the story makes taking the middle ground have a meeting that I don't want it to take. And that yeah. sucks. And that makes you sit on the sideline of it. Um, but the one thing I will say is like, Angel Reese, if, if all of this was about being upset that Caitlin Clark 
was the biggest star in college basketball. Well, if you righted that wrong, because I promise you next year, you will be the biggest star in college basketball. And if that's what you want, you will like you won the national championship. I think a lot of people still think Caitlin Clark is the best player in women's college basketball since Diana Taurasi. But you're the biggest star now. And you have like you've taken on like a Ric Flair persona of like a WWE character talking about all of this stuff. So if that's the goal, I guess golf clap for that. Yeah, I can't I can't get into Angel Reese's head. But my guess is that the thing that I said about all of us bringing uh, a long history to to this conversation is probably true of Angel Reese also. Like, I, I don't imagine that her reaction. She, I mean, she's a trash talker. She's been like that all season long yeah. towards everyone and doing the little girl uh, like they're too small thing and flexing on people. And like, that's just her personality. But I do think that some of this, it at least felt like to me that the way that she reacted to it, the way that the South Carolina team was brought into it, the way Don Staley was talking about it, that some of it felt like it's not just about Caitlin Clark. It's what Caitlin Clark represents to her. And it represents something that she's always felt. My guess is she's felt boxed out of and and cheated from. And yeah, Caitlin Clark deserves it and probably doesn't deserve to be that avatar, but it is what it is. I mean, on on the Don Staley stuff, I would love your opinion on this because this is something as a white dude that just completely flew over my head when I saw the comments that sort of spawned Don Staley's response. Obviously, she heard from anonymous people in the media that there were things said about her team, but also it was about Iowa's coach saying that rebounding against South yeah, Carolina was going to be like bar a bar fight. fight. Yeah. And to me, that totally flew over my head because that's something like my high school football coach would have said. He would have been like, in the trenches, it's going to be a bar fight. Obviously, it's it's coded differently when it's talking about black women athletes. But to me, I, I don't know, that battle just seemed like I I didn't didn't get it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I... I... I think it's probably because it's in the context of all the other things that they're experiencing Mm -hmm. because I'm with you. And also like, we have to be aware that we're getting old. Yeah. And I, I think, I think about this a lot is like, what are going to be the things? Cause I I feel like I still am like constant. I'm, I'm current. I feel like with, with where our culture is on things that are acceptable and unacceptable, there's going to kind of come a time where we're the old guys and we're like, Hey, that ain't cool. And maybe it's that the that society goes the other direction and is like so like regressive that we're going to be like, hey, remember back when we were comfortable like doing all these things or maybe it'll continue to progress in another way. And we'll be like, hey, this has gone too far the, the way that um, our grandparents may be right now. We're still not there yet, but I feel it happening and i try to keep it in my mind where it's like they they have different experiences and they hear things differently than i do the bar fight thing is something that i, I my guess is don staley is more um attuned to because she has been in this place for a while and she recognizes the language and maybe the language is coded intentionally or unintentionally but i don't think it matters and in that moment she's standing up for her team but i'm yeah. with you and that's because it's something we use in men's sports all the time. And most of the time, it's a compliment. It's yeah, not I was literally about to say they're scared. They're scared of you. That's yeah. all. This hasn't it's that that language has not been meant as a compliment. And I, I've heard people talk about the uh, South Carolina team and the when they want to be negative about it, it's kind of saying that they're playing football. Like I think Gino Oriama, Gino Oriama said, like I don't know what game they're playing. Like it feels yeah. disrespectful. And so like when. 
it's close to that. I can understand. But like you, if I would have heard that comment live, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Yeah. But I also understand why. Yeah. A team who's been hearing things like that and other things all year would be um, would be sensitive to it. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is all proving that I uh, am too much of a dumb dumb to uh, hop in at the end of a women's sports season and know the exact way to talk about it because I have not grown up watching the game in the exact same way because there are so many things like talking about I, I Bomani talked about this on, on his podcast but we uh-huh. him and I talked about this on air like you watch a big center who can't move and I'm like big for nothing <laughs> not, not saying that about anyone in, in in the women's final four and so I say nothing at all <laughs> yeah I mean I think it's fair you can't parachute in and pretend like you're an expert and I think it's also fair to 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 understand that the culture there is different and the language that you that you can and should use there is different but i mean it's uh, when you mess up just say my bad like i, I don't think i believe though we're, we're we're about to become the weird embarrassing uncles at the dinner table we're we're on the verge we're on the verge like uh when the women's ncaa tournament is the biggest sport in america in like 20 years from now and we're sitting at table we're gonna be saying things that our kids are like and we're like, hey, I can't say big for nothing. <laughs> They're going to be embarrassed by us. But anyway, that was more time than I wanted to spend on any of that. But we got to a place fun. I think mm-hmm. we'll move on to uh, the NBA and give you the treat that you've been looking for. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Lakers, legitimate Western contenders. Now, we don't have to go do revisionist history on the Lakers, but no one understood why they brought in Russell Westbrook. It didn't make sense to any of us, but they got off of them and they've put together a team that I think is competitive but honestly it's really just that the west is weaker than i remember in a while so like if you look at this roster and the guys that they've added if we're being honest with ourselves like it's like beasley and vanderbilt and d'angelo russell mo bamba and i guess austin reeves has always been there but he's kind of stepped up recently like this is not 
I don't know. It's not like those great Heat teams or Cavalier team when you talk overall talent. And so, like, I, I think we're, I think it's not a lie that they are legitimate contenders in the West, but they ain't that good. I, you're dancing around it. I feel the other way. I, I think they're, I think if they're healthy, they are going to win the West. Um, and I think that th- this is an incredibly weird situation because obviously the West is wide open. There's no dominant team. We don't, we don't trust the Nuggets. Yeah, we don't. We should, but we don't. We should, but we don't. But here's the thing. We wasted all of our bullets. We annoyed everyone by talking about that dog shit Lakers team for the first half of the season. They're a completely different team. Right. They're 15 and 6 in their last 21 games. And they're the best defense in the NBA. Davis, when he's played this season, has been the fourth best player in the NBA. I think that's that would be like a... a a shock to people who mm. want to call him AD or, or a Disney or street clothes or soft or whatever. After Embiid, Jokic and Giannis, he is the fourth best player in the NBA. And he has been every minute he's played this season. Kevin Durant is back. They keep winning. The team doesn't look good. It does not look, it's not, it's not flowing the way you thought a Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul team would flow. The Lakers have played together for four years with LeBron and Davis. They got chasers. They got defenders and they're going to, you know this. You know this, and I know this. Playoff basketball is going to start. Yeah. They're going to play the Kings. They're going to play the the Grizzlies. They're going to choke the life out of that team in half court basketball with just big mother. I don't know. I mean, so Harrison Barnes is like the the Kings four. You know, like that's so. Like I don't have a ton of confidence in the Kings. They can score with anybody, obviously, and Sabonis is, uh, yeah, the yeah, they don't match up well. The Kings don't match up well. <laughs> no one matches up with Anthony Davis. No one. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like Sabonis, AD, a healthy AD is is can follow Sabonis anywhere on the court. He's not going to take him to like that elbow and and give him work like Sabonis does everyone else. Like AD is going to be comfortable there. AD is comfortable in the post. Um, uh, somebody standing in front of De'Aaron Fox is another question. But they have got bodies that can feasibly do that. Can they slow them down enough? I mean, LeBron was a 37. I watched that game against Utah. And they did. See, I think that's the problem is maybe the games that I'm parachuting in on. I'm like, no, this team, no. Yeah. Like they, they, Taylor Horton Tucker was like penetrating. And LeBron is like flat footed the whole game. Like they do not look explosive and and impressive. But also nobody else in the West does. So I, that's the hard part. It's just... We're banking on a bunch of because then you say if they could stay healthy, but the same thing is true for the Suns. We're banking on a bunch of old injured same thing's true for the Clippers. Same thing, the same thing is true for the Warriors. I have no idea. I mean, AD has gotten it, but there's no reason that he is a worse health bet than Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Stephen mm-hmm. Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, yeah. and, and down the line. And I think you could even take that to Michael Porter Jr. Like he's got yeah. the back of a 90-year-old. Michael Porter Jr. is so freaking good. Every now and then, <laughs> it's like I watch him. I'm like, he should be like one of the ten best players in the league. I could put together a highlight of him offensively, especially where I'm like, man, why? Why didn't you build a team around this guy? And then you watch enough of his games in a row, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you He's look just... at him playing defense, and you just yell big. You just yell big for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I don't want to believe in the Lakers, but I also cannot believe in the other teams. But I think that the Warriors. And I, I, I'll be completely honest with you is like I am coming up with justifications after letting my emotions guide me to the Warriors. But I feel like the Warriors 
talent is a little bit more distributed, which makes me feel a little better about betting on them. And after reading that article that I referenced in um, on Debatable about what's actually wrong with this team on the road, I've convinced myself that they aren't actually a bad road, road team. They just had some random fluky luck this year with three-point shooting on the road, and they'll be fine. And then they'll add Wiggins, make them even finer if he can come back. So, like, I don't know who to pick <laughs> to come out of the West. I mean, I really don't want it to be the Lakers. We're, we're going to get either Suns Clippers, Suns Lakers, or Suns Warriors in the first round. That's so great. It's fucking awesome, and it's going to oh, destroy our sleep schedule for two weeks to start it. I normally have those two weeks about off, that. and all of those games are going to start at 10.30. Yeah, I forgot about that. We have to do the 10.30 games. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, LeBron, I, I think they'd be interesting for an achievement. LeBron, like, career achievement question, too, is if he gets this team to the finals, or be, I mean, I guess it would be AD as the bus driver. Do you think this changes? I don't, yeah, I don't think it does anymore. I do. I think people are. You do? I think people are. The problem is, how does it change it? He's already like he's number he's number one in my mind. He's number two in probably most people's minds doing this. I don't know. I'm not saying winning a championship, I'm saying getting to oh, the getting to the finals is nothing. His, his uh, finals achievement is like, yeah. There. So <laughs> winning the championship, you think that people who pick Jordan, there are people who pick Jordan who will switch to LeBron if he wins another championship. No way. People are hardened in their Jordan-LeBron opinions. I don't know. I think the bigger things, the stakes are like, honestly, I want, he he has a chance. There's like a little fun little push and pull going on in that Western Conference of Durant, Curry, and LeBron. And there's a Mm. chance they're all going to face each other again. And Everyone's going to light up. Everyone's going to talk about that completely overrated shot that Durant hit in game three against the Cavs uh, in LeBron's, quote unquote, in LeBron's face, even though the game was tied, even though if they hadn't won that series in five, they would have won it in six. If they didn't win it in six, they would have won it in seven. So, like, there's actual, there's going to be like, we want stakes and ego involved. Right. And all three of those guys actually don't want to lose to the other one. Yeah. What would you rather see? Uh, the Suns and the Warriors or Suns the Warriors. Suns and the Lakers? Yeah, Suns I think so. I want to see Suns Warriors. I want to see KD. I I genuinely think it could it could it could break up our friendship watching that series. <laughs> <laughs> like if 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 Curry beats Durant, like uh, I don't I don't I don't know how I do this do this show without just taking like the world's biggest victory lap. You can take it. You can you can Angel Reese. You can do whatever you want. I'm a That's big a boy. I can handle it. But I I just trust me. It will come back in the other direction too. Like I don't care what it does to our friendship or our relationship or any of our shows. I'll burn down all of ESPN celebrating Kevin Durant knocking uh, the Warriors out of the playoffs because he was the bus driver when he was there. When Devin Booker is the bus driver this time. <laughs> See, he's in a no win situation. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, well, you know who is definitely driving the bus of the NFL offseason? Your boy Aaron Rodgers. I saw on TMZ today that he's rock shopping. He was mm-hmm. at Tep- Topanga Rocks in California trying to get him some new crystals, I guess. I mean, I love it. It's it's it, He's not my quarterback, so it doesn't get on my nerves. But, I mean, he's a special kind of character. And it, I can't imagine. He's no one's quarterback right now. Yeah. I mean, he's technically. So there's conversation right now or speculation that the 49ers are trying to swoop in and steal him. Obviously, that's not coming out of 49ers camp. I think it's probably real. Mm-hmm. But more than anything, isn't it just a leverage play? Like these sides are trying to get this deal done. And my guess is the Green Bay Packers are trying to get the word out that they could go elsewhere to force the Jets to make a move. So I'd be interested in what you who you think has the most leverage in this situation. It seems like Aaron Rodgers, but him aside, between the two teams, the Packers and the Jets, like who's the hold up? Who has the leverage? What's the problem? And it ends with him on the Jets, right? No matter what, they're just we're stalling. The Packers this, right? have way more leverage than the Jets. You think so? Yeah, the Packers can like the Jets are completely out. They're they're totally screwed if they don't get Rodgers. See, I don't know that I agree with you because the point is, all right. So the, you're gonna roll with Zach Wilson. Maybe you roll with Zach Wilson. So the point is, it's a lost season either way for both teams. Right, I guess. So the Packers are going to go into a season with a sixty million dollar quarterback that they don't want and that doesn't want to be there. Presumably, he's he wouldn't play. Right. So there's that's the same as what they're going to have now. You think that they wouldn't still pay him? I guess they'd have to. Yeah. So that's the point. And I I guess either you could get something for Aaron Rodgers or get nothing for Aaron Rodgers. So I guess that's the that's both of these teams have convinced themselves that they have the leverage, which is probably why where we are now. And I was looking at the moves that the Jets have made. I guess maybe they are missing out on other quarterbacks like Carr or something like that. But they committed to Lazard like they haven't done anything crazy. Like they're not nearly as committed, I think, as the Packers are right now. Yeah. So I guess if the Packers are willing to send them to the 49ers and watch them win a Super Bowl with them, then then maybe they could go ahead and do that. But. And that's my question is why doesn't Aaron Rodgers now that this is on the table, why wouldn't he prefer to go there? Like, I mean, it, it makes no sense to me. It's like, I, he can't love Nathaniel Hackett that much. He can't. I refuse to believe it. Anything he feels for Nathaniel Hackett, he has to feel more for Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Well, it's not too late if the Jets do not, uh, if they want to create some more leverage, because I saw that uh, Joe Douglas said that he would not be chasing Lamar Jackson because he felt like it was, I don't forget what he said, like disingenuous or something like it's not good faith negotiations if he's also chasing Lamar Jackson. Well, better throw that faith out and start chasing Lamar Jackson uh, to create some leverage, if nothing else. But I mean, wouldn't that be the best thing for Lamar, by the way, if if Aaron Rodgers gets traded to San Francisco, that's the best case scenario for Lamar Jackson. Of course. I mean, then the Jets have to go in on these draft picks and 
the according to Eric DaCosta, the GM of the Ravens, they want more draft picks. He said going mm-hmm. into this draft, they have five picks. They want more. Uh, and he also said, or at least insinuated, that if one of the quarterbacks that they like was still around in the first round, he would take one. Why? Like, I just Lamar Jackson's never going to play for them again. I guess where I'm asking a different question. Why would you say that? I guess you say it because you know Lamar Jackson's never going to play for you again. Yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson more or less said that on, on Twitter. Like, right. He doesn't want to be there. He thinks they don't value him. Like, at this point, I, it's, it, there's no coming back from that. I know NFL GMs pretend and lie and say, say nothing all the time, but right. the, cats are, the, the cat's out of the bag. As far as I, I think he's concerned, he probably thinks there's almost no chance. They're not going to pay him $240 million guaranteed. And if that's, if that's the number, it's out, it's out the window. So now it's picks, players, and options moving forward. So Lamar Jackson's going to sit out this season? At, or I don't know. <laughs> or they're going to trade him. And I don't see, see, that's the thing. I don't see them trading him for less than the two first-round picks. And it seems like no one's coming in for these first-round picks. And no one seems to really they've, – they've, it's funny how they've kind of painted themselves into this corner. And that now, like, they refuse to give Lamar the guaranteed contract. Lamar refused to play under anything other than a fully guaranteed contract. No team, if they are colluding or not. No team seems to be willing to pay him that contract. So how are you going to trade him <laughs> if no one wants to pay it? Who's going to take him? I feel like I I read those comments a little bit, too, as like a little nudge, nudge to the Colts with the fourth mm-hmm. pick in the draft. Because that's the team that, that right. has been in that, that rumored Lamar sweepstakes where it's like, hey, Jim Ursay, you're a crazy person. You don't give a <laughs> shit. You don't piss anyone off. Just let, let's get this done. I'll take the fourth pick. You know, if, if it's Bryce Young, it's Bryce Young. If it's Anthony Richardson, it's Anthony Richardson. Like, let's go. Gosh, this is a mess. The Ravens really have got, I mean, I guess Lamar deserves some uh, blame for this also, but I think mostly the Ravens have made a mess of all of this. And it's not even fun to talk about anymore because now I'm realistically considering a season without Lamar Jackson. And that just makes me sad. Don't you wish you knew all of the contracts that were offered? Yeah. And more than anything, I want to know, like, it's so hard. I want to know exactly what was offered. I want someone to leak it. Any Ravens intern, let me know if you have copies of the documents, release the documents. Also, like, yeah, we talked about this before. I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but let this be a lesson to all other franchises. Pay them as soon as you can. They just amass more and more leverage the longer you wait. Pay the quarterbacks as soon as you can. It'll always be better off. What do you think happens if Lamar Jackson had another MVP season this past year instead of getting injured? Oh, uh, they pay him. It's just a fully guaranteed contract. We never think about it again. Yeah. Which is such an interesting thing because it's like, did you remember at the beginning of the season, everyone was on like get up and first take being like prices going up for Lamar Jackson? Yep. I was one of those people saying. Yeah, but like it was it was everywhere. And it's so <laughs> his leverage also went down this year, which is wild doesn't make any sense i don't know i'm just sad i'm i'm just sad because i think it seems like there's a possibility that he won't play hmm. right I, I think there's a definite possibility he won't play. yeah like it's I think coming a huge up mistake for the record yeah by both sides <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine that anyone would benefit from him not playing this season i don't know that his uh, value goes up any higher but i guess anything could happen in the offseason his value doesn't go down that much 
but it is one less season that he can spend on the field uh, making money, which is a huge and like cementing his legacy. This is like he's not going to get faster either. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, if we, yeah, it's just a, a year burned. Like you don't get yeah. that year back. No matter how long quarterbacks can play, you don't get that year back. He's going to it's going to be a year burn for him, which is fine. And it also sucks because like one of the things that we do have in football is like icons of cities. Mm-hmm. And he already is one in Baltimore. And like we see guys at the end of their career, like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and I guess Russell uh, Wilson right now, guys at the end of their career go somewhere else. I can't believe you just called Russell Wilson an icon. How dare you? I mean, he's an icon for a franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean. And that we complain about it in basketball where the superstars move around a lot and you don't get like to understand that that person as they are associated with the team. Like that's one of the cool things about the NFL is through all of this like anti-labor practices <laughs> that they have to keep t- quarterbacks in particular in their cities. It does benefit from saying, you know what, Patrick Mahomes, he always going to be a chief to me. That's yeah. kind of nice. And same thing with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Herbert and everybody else except for Lamar Jackson, which really sucks to me because it was a perfect match between, I think, the um, culture of that franchise, the culture of that city. Everything about Lamar Jackson was perfect for Baltimore, and it sucks for all of us that it seems like it's that marriage is destined for failure. Oh, well. Ours, our marriage is not destined for failure, Charlie Kravitz. We're having a good time. This show is fun. Thank you for doing another episode with me, Christina Buswell, Adi Khan, Sarah, you too. Everybody's the best. Now we can go get some sleep because I think we're all tired. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.